Here's what you get on today's episode of Guts, Grit, and Great Business. So one of the things that we do with both companies, and, and whether you just want to use the software or you want us to help actually build out the process, is all you have to do is record a video. You don't have to actually document everything. You know, we can do meetings, but, you know, if you take a Loom video, 25-minute recording of you walking through the process, you might feel like, man, that was 25 minutes. That's 25 minutes that you never have to do again. The adventure of entrepreneurship and building a life and business you love, preferably at the same time, is not for the faint of heart. That's why Heather Pierce Campbell is bringing you a dose of guts, grit, and great business stories that will inspire and motivate you to create what you want in your business and life. Welcome to the Guts, Grit, and Great Business Podcast, where endurance is required. Now here's your host, the legal website warrior, Heather Pierce Campbell. Alrighty, welcome. I'm Heather Pierce Campbell, the Legal Website Warrior. I'm an attorney and legal coach based here in Seattle, Washington, serving online information entrepreneurs throughout the US and the world. Welcome to another episode of Guts, Grit, and Great Business. I am super excited today to welcome Elaine Boyd to the podcast. Welcome, Elaine. Thank you, Heather. I'm so excited about being here. Oh my gosh, so great to have you. And I hope people cannot hear the vacuuming happening in the background. Can you hear that? Okay. <laughs> That's a good sign. We're, we're keeping it real. You should know that I launched this podcast after COVID started with two kids at home full time. I never knew what was going to happen in the background. We've since added a dog and um, we've got house cleaners here, which hallelujah. We were just talking about the importance of support in our life. And I will celebrate that one all day long. Me too. Um, but I apologize if there's a little bit of vacuuming noise. So Elaine, so we first connected through, who introduced us? I'm trying to think back. Justin Crane. Justin Crane, that's right. Brought us yes. together on a group call. I love Justin. <laughs> By the way, if you're listening and you want to meet Justin, you should. He's another conversation on the podcast. I will actually share the link to Justin's episode. He lives in the financial space, but he knows so many awesome people. And he brought Elaine and I together along with several others. That's been a few months now. But Elaine, for those of you that don't know Elaine, you're going to love her bio because she is truly an entrepreneur. Elaine is a serial entrepreneur, passionate leader, and a high growth founder. So two times SAS exit, published author um, on three occasions, a top leaders, uh, 40 under 40 finalist and top companies to watch 2021, voted best tools for remote work. That's awesome. In 2022, she is an Enneagram three with a driver leadership style. She is a visionary that believes in impact driven result oriented leadership. Her skill sets focus on operations sales, marketing, and technical skills. She likes to use her time to guide and mentor others, whether in her company or other founders, to grow and scale their abilities. Elaine has been written and featured in Entrepreneur, Huffington Post, South by Southwest, PBS, Today in Nashville, Talk of the Town, Parent Magazine, Femme Founder, Tennessee Magazine, and many more. And you currently are running two businesses, right? Yeah. Elaine? Do you want to mention briefly? I know we didn't get to that in your very long bio. I'm kidding. I love your bio. <laughs> um, but you've got not one company, but two. Do you want to briefly mention those? Yeah. And, and they work together because one came out of the other one. So um, I own a consulting company where we come in and help businesses use 
AI and automation, improve their workflows and just alleviate some of that manual work. And so that's BGBO Co. And we can get into why we named that in a another podcast or later on. But <laughs> while we were doing all this consulting, we we started this company out of I I sold my other two companies. And so I was retired and people were asking me to come in and consult. And so I was like, well, I'm not doing anything. Okay. And uh, so I started doing that. And then COVID happened and we exploded because everybody was trying to figure out how to go to remote, how to support their teams. And my co-founder and I were, we, we had both exited and we were working together in this company. And he's like, I think we have another software play because teams are really needing a more visual, a more skimmable way to get a knowledge base, to get how-tos and training. So we built Arvo, which is our software platform. So they go hand in hand. A lot of times when you work with companies, we'll start with one and then they'll use the other one or vice versa. But it's all about helping companies improve their operations. Oh, that's amazing. Well, it sounds like you were doing AI uh, before AI was cool. I was. (laughs) I was. I know somebody asked me the other day, how long have you been using AI? And I think they were expecting me to say like three months or six months. I was Mm -hmm. like, two years. Yeah, right. It exploded. That it exploded the way that it did. Yeah. But that it still did exist in some capacity. A lot of, um, it's definitely exploded in a positive way where it's gotten better and more useful, but it still had some really good use cases, you know, before it really got popular and big. So, well, and it's interesting because I think even, even now, and I belong to a book club where we dissect artificial intelligence and all kinds of topics related to AI and even defining what AI is can be a challenge, even in the world of people who are experts at AI. And really when you think of artificial intelligence, we all have been living with and benefiting from AI for quite some time, Yeah, right? You think of any technology device that is designed on automation or designed to communicate with another device so that you don't have to, right? And it makes our lives easier. It's, but, but the new round, the, the level, you know, 3.0 chat GPT and other tools have really brought it to the forefront. And I think made issues surrounding AI, surrounding privacy, all of these relevant topics, like much more kind of in your face. Yeah. I saw a great post from you, actually. I think it was yesterday. It was one day this week about, you know, what don't you want to put in AI, which mm-hmm. is extremely valuable. I think people are like, I'm just going to put everything in there, not really thinking about what they should be considering. Um, and I saw your post and I was like, this is exactly what everybody that uses ChatGPT or other AI platforms needs to be considering. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's so fascinating, especially in the world of small business. Like it's interesting because you look at companies like Samsung, Google, major companies who've restricted their employees from using certain AI tools and and by far the widely available ones like ChatGPT. Because guess what? They don't want their fear of disclosing trade secrets. Yes. Because people use it the wrong way. And it's like, folks, I want to scream from the mountaintops. Like these are some of the biggest, best, strongest companies in the world. And they're putting a big, big, thick iron door between their employees and AI. And there's a reason for that. And then you've got all these smaller 
like we'll just call them small business and smaller startups, entrepreneurs, throwing everything into AI, everything. And it's like all for the sake of, I feel like speed. And let's be clear that speed can help with certain things. It should not replace everything. Speed is not the number one priority. Anyways, yeah, I could go on and on. It's a, it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I see it on one side, like, man, business owners, this, it is a great level playing field for people. You know, if you're not a great writer and you want a press release and you are a small business and you don't have the funds, great, have it write you a press release. Like there's so many great applications, but at the same time, I, I see it with small business owners where they're like, I'm just going to put every experiment, you know, they're kind of more experimental with things where I'm just going to throw everything in there. I'm like, oh my God, no, let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. Don't put your best ideas in there. Don't put your developed IP. Don't put your procedures and your seven step formula and blah, 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 because whatever it is that makes you the secret sauce, as soon as you've put it into chat GPT or another open AI, it's gone. Yeah. You've lost your trade secret. It is basically in the public domain. Other people are now going to benefit from outputs based on your inputs. Mm-hmm. You have no control over what you've yeah. just done. Anyways, well, we should separately have a chat just about <laughs> AI because you've been doing it before it was cool. And I'm sure we could all learn a thing or two. But I would love to know because you are a woman in tech and that can be a tough place to be for women. And I'd love to hear about your route into entrepreneurship, into tech. I'd love to hear from you a bit about your background and how you landed in this space. Yeah, it was kind of a whimsical move. You know, I don't really take decisions like life decisions too seriously when it comes to what am I going to do? I always know I'm going to eventually land on my feet. It might be a little messy, but I'm well-educated. I'm relatively smart most days, you know, like I'm going to figure it out. So I don't really feel like, oh man, I've got to have this path and it has to work out like this. And so I went into engineering and I'll say the, I hated being an engineer and I ended up not, not being an engineer, even though I have a degree in it, but I took a class for us to get our bachelor's degree. We had to take a basic coding class. And I think at this point and every college educated person's lives, they need to take this course because it was so beneficial. I could go in for like email marketing. When email marketing first came out, you didn't have these beautiful templates. You were writing HTML code. Well, you know what? Marketing people make mistakes or designers make mistakes. And instead of me having to send something back to our design team, I could just go in and edit it and move on. And so that was really what kind of got me going in tech. And so I started working for a company uh, in San Diego uh, that did, they had a software platform. They were a social media management company before social media was even a thing and just started working my way up. And then the, the founder of the company, one day I said, you hired a bunch of losers. We are redoing this entire company. We're gutting it. And we're going to start over because you're terrible at hiring. And if I leave you, you're going to be in a bad situation. And he said, I'm not losing you. Let's do it. I am bad at hiring. And so we gutted the company slowly. We didn't just rip everybody out at once, but we slowly started gutting people. We became co-founders of the company together and we rebuilt it all. And it was so fun. 
that's what like thinking about those days, like we hadn't, I was 26, I think, you know, like I didn't know that much. I had a couple of small businesses before that, that I had done in a different industry, but man, we would like sit, like rearrange our office so that we could have better think tanks and like, you know, like trying to just get more out of our heads <laughs> and how do we hire the people that we need? We have no budget at all. And so we figured it out and we, we ran that company together till we didn't have fun anymore. And it was, I was so burnt out by oh, the end. Oh goodness. Yeah. So I got in a very long tangent. Your question was about being a woman in tech. How's it like, you know what? At the end of the day, I love it. I, yeah. I've got more opportunity than I've ever had being in an industry. Mm. And I, I even say it's my superpower because there's so many men and there's, it's so male dominated and men get tired of talking to other men, just like, you know, right. a woman, a woman <laughs> d- dominated industry. It's kind of nice when there's a man around, you know, it play, you like diversity. And I've found mentors come out and help me more than, you know, if I was just another man, I'm, I'm just out there in a sea of other men, but when I'm a female and with a bunch of other men, then there's always a guy in there. That's like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to help you come meet this person. They want to hang out with me, you know, whatever. It is. Of course they do. I know. No, you know? I'm, I'm kidding. But yes, it's <laughs> breath of fresh air. Totally. Well, first of all, I love that you, and even it sounds like early in your career, because you said you were mid twenties, that you were a woman that had a voice in tech, right? I think a lot of women feel like they don't have a voice or they're not listened to. And so the fact that you could raise that with your boss who agreed with you and hiring, I feel like is a whole separate conversation. Although we should touch on that because it's part of what you built out, right? Was to support the hiring process and have that go better for businesses. Like what a major pain point. But back to the point, he listened to you and then you go on to become a co-founder. Yeah. I mean, you know, people dream of that scenario and somehow I made it happen. But, you know, there are opportunities out there. And I really think that not that it can play out that way in every small business, but I think that's the opportunity that small businesses give you is to have that voice to gain your confidence. And it took a while. It wasn't like the second day I went into work and said, hey, you, you know, you've done a terrible job of hiring. This was after a year. And that day I just was like, I can't do this anymore. Nobody is working behind the scenes. I'm carrying the load. But for a small business, you get to wear a lot of hats. You get to find where your skill set is and you can help mold the company and continue moving up if that's what you want to do. And that's where it really benefited me. Whereas I don't think I would have thrived in a corporate environment. You know, if I go in and tell my boss, you're firing everybody, (laughs) that's not going to happen. I'll get fired probably. (laughs) Right. But even in the context of a small business, that's a pretty big deal, right? For him to be like, oh my gosh, you're right. I have been hiring poorly. This is not working. So I'm curious, once you went through that process of letting people go and rebuilding, how, how did you help ensure that it went better the second time? I have a little bit better um, intuition and the Mm -hmm. questions that I asked. And, you know, you listen for the red flags where my co-founder, he would hear the things he wanted to and ignore the other red flags. And I'm like, I remember we got in an argument over this one lady he wanted to hire. I was like, she literally said she did not want to travel this position you have to travel at a minimum 25% of the job, really 50% of the time we want them traveling. So no, we're not hiring. She'd be miserable. 
she would last for a few months and then quit. And so it's like those things he needed to be better trained on listening for where that became more natural to me. And we also, we implemented paychecks was a big HR uh, and, and they're still big, but he was smart at the time where he realized, well, man, we need some better training. We got um, interview trained. We got um, employee handbooks created. And so that we could have more consistency when we were hiring the kind of questions that you shouldn't ask, the kind of questions you should ask. And we just started getting better at that. You know, we weren't perfect, but we hired so much better. Yeah. Yeah. It's a process, you know, all of that just takes time and effort and the willingness of somebody to spearhead it and get that stuff in place. So, but it's a huge accomplishment when you do. And like, what a way to improve your potential growth if you do hire better. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we realized later on, I mean, we we got to 125 employees with that company before we we sold. And what we realized, and you know, for it's so nice when you do have a co-founder because you can't see everything, you know? And and I remember we were starting to grow more and more. And so we were hiring faster. And so we we needed better employee training, but also like sometimes we hired people and they weren't great at that job. And mm-hmm. and so like, you know, we'd have to fire. And one day we're in, my co-founder and I are in a meeting and he goes, you know, we've got really loyal employees that they aren't always great at the job they were hired for, but we're big enough now we could put them in a different department instead of, you know, that hiring, like even just knowing how you do things in your company, not even necessarily for their job, but if you Mm. use a work management system, if you use a ticketing system, you know, all these things, we've been training them for a while. They know how to do everything in the company. They're just not good at the job we are them for. And (laughs) we started making those changes and we could better identify, okay, they thought they wanted to do this and we thought they were going to be good at it, but actually they're not, they're actually pretty good at this other thing let's move them. And so that really alleviated a lot of growing pains that we had too, when we could do transitions. Mm, Oh, you bring up such a good point. It reminds me of the book. um, I read good to great Mm, by Jim Collins that talks about that. Like you, like just putting the right seats on the bus, like Mm -hmm. step number one, but then getting people into the actually the right seat, right? Being able to move them around and jostle them around. I think when you're of a size where you finally have the flexibility to do that makes all the difference. It does. It made a huge difference. And we started having employees, They, when we sold, like our average number of years they were with us was like, we had one that had been with us for seven years. Our company was only 11 years old. So our average employee yeah. was with us for four years when we sold. Like they just, what we really tried to build, we didn't have this, fun culture by any means. We weren't like the, I don't spend a lot of time and like, okay, let's do this bonding thing. Like that's not my personality, but my personality is I want you to enjoy the people you're working with. And I want you to be able to leave work. You know, what's measurable answering emails at 8 PM when you're there with your family. And we were going through a period of time where our our workers were doing that. And I'm like, I don't want to be doing that. I'm burnt out. (laughs) I don't want to expect anybody that. So we always were trying to work on that part of our culture. How can we make it a better, that work-life balance that I don't know that really exists, but (laughs) know that our employees can leave work and that when they go on vacation, they can go on vacation. And so we just did a lot of those systems so that our work days were easier. And, and it played into after we sold, 
you know, what did we want to do with our lives and why we went the route that we did and built Arvo was because those operations and those things, if they know how to do their job and they can leave their job at the end of the day, that is a happy employee. You know, they didn't have to ask 50 questions to find the information. They could just go into work. They can get their job done. Mm. They could be creative when they can have the, you know, they have the mental capacity to do it in the time. And, And then they can go home and enjoy their time with their family. Oh, it's so important. I remember having a conversation with somebody years ago about like, I can't remember if it was the employee, like, like their belief that employees should make the employer believe they're so indispensable, right? They could never operate without them. I'm like, well, like I get it. And I don't really feel like that's the right solution because employees do need to go on vacation. They do need to be away from their jobs for a period. And the company does still need to run. It is really about having it be a win-win where you have people that enjoy their work while they're at work, but they don't feel like they can't have a life beyond that. And I think that is really typical old company culture, you know, this whole like, and COVID, I mean, I feel like COVID blew up some things. And I mean, that's a whole different <laughs> conversation because in in some ways, I think it made people really realize how blended our work and home lives are. And mm-hmm. even for those of us who worked from home pre-COVID, COVID just brought it to a new level of intensity where you realize how much effort it actually takes to have clear boundaries between home and personal time and work time and the importance of that. And as parents, we need the flexibility for those things to blend, right? So there, it, it's a trade-off and getting the balance right is not always an easy path. But I think also companies, I would say in the last couple of years, so many people have experienced burnout, right? And you mentioned having gone, gone through burnout yeah. oh, yeah. on your journey as well. I feel like that's such a big, important topic and it will continue to be as people navigate, how do we do this quote unquote work-life balance that never really feels very balanced. Yeah. I mean, that's the great thing about tech and the worst thing about tech because, you know, you can work from anywhere. So you do have flexibility, but the problem is you can work from anywhere. So you work. (laughs) So it was, you know, that's, that was just something that we, we really wanted to work towards. And, and, you know, we were talking about burnout I have to be cautious of myself. I have to end work at a certain time so that I don't get, you know, I get excited just like everybody else about things like, oh, I want to get this done. But at some point you do get burned out. And so I don't want to reach that point again. You know, Mm -hmm. I want to be cautious of the feelings that I'm having, the emotions that I'm having Mm -hmm. so that I don't have so big, such big highs and lows that I am, I am moving at a good pace for me. And that's sustainable for me. All right, let's pause for a moment and hear from today's sponsor. Are you an entrepreneur who is on track to make a million or more in revenue this year in your business? If so, your business is likely facing a host of legal issues that are ripe for support. And if you are like so many of my clients at this level, you are likely tired of taking unnecessary risk and a DIY approach to legal support in your business. You're ready to tackle the mess of legal documents, fix legal gaps that you have. You want to take care of your IP, your clients, your business, 
and avoid unnecessary conflict and risk in the process. If this is you, and beyond just being an entrepreneur, you are a catalyst and are committed to your mission and your impact in the world, I invite you to get in touch. You could be a fit for my Catalyst Club, a small business legal support program that I designed for my high-level clients just like you. You can find out more at legalwebsitewarrior.com. Just click on the work with me tab to learn more about the Catalyst Club and other ways that I support my clients. A fabulous group of world-changing entrepreneurs, I might add. You've done the initial legwork in your business and now you want to soar. And you know that you can only go as high and as far as your legal foundation lets you go. So get in touch today, hop over to legalwebsitewarrior.com, click on the work with me tab. And if you have any questions, get in touch through the contact link on my site. I look forward to connecting. It would be a joy to support you on your path. And as a mom and an entrepreneur and somebody, I mean, who is running multiple businesses, are there routines, tools? Like, how do you help keep that in check? Are there things that you do that really help you keep that in balance or help you notice when it's starting to get out of balance? Yeah. I mean, I have a work calendar, a personal calendar, and so does my husband so that I, everything that we're doing is on a calendar so that I can manage time appropriately. And that, you know, there's never a miscommunication on what, who's available and what needs to get done. Um, My husband takes our son to school in the morning. So I have that time for myself and I'm the one that picks him up and does the afternoon. So like we have a set schedule that it makes things understandable. And then I use a work management system for work and for personal life. Like to me, you have work in your personal life that like a travel checklist. I have a travel checklist every time I travel. I don't need to recreate it. It's all in my work management system. I just hit duplicate and it has my entire checklist on there. You know, so it's those things that have made my life easier. I'm not having to chase things down. I have visuals, communication with my significant other. And I just, I don't work when I have my son anymore. It is so stressful for me to try to do both. He's seven. He does not understand the concept of do not interrupt me. You know, (laughs) oh, like here's a cheese stick. Do not interrupt me. And he's like, well, I ate that. Can I have another? I'm like, what is the problem? Oh my gosh. Maybe when he's eight, you know, there is hope. Right. You've just described everybody's experience working from home during COVID. Like, you know, Kids and boundaries don't go together very well. It's a really challenging thing to actually achieve. But I love that you brought up systems, right? Here we are again with systems. And I'd love (laughs) to know, where did you recognize in your journey? Because being in tech, I think you really, to thrive there, probably have to be systems oriented, right? Yeah. Where did you recognize that you had a systems brain or that you really understood systems? Because your business is based entirely around systematizing things, right? For other yeah, people. Yeah, that's exactly what we do. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you met me outside of work, you would not think I was that. I'm I'm pretty chaotic. I am not a house cleaner. I I am very spontaneous. I and if you tell me plan something, I'm like, oh my god, I cringe. Which, by the way, you should know is just human nature. I was doing a whole bunch <laughs> of reading you. on Thank this you. yesterday. <laughs> yes, planning is not something as humans that we do very well because it is anxiety provoking. So it kind of like, it's a little bit like whiplash, like you're forcing yourself to do something that's going to give you anxiety and a little bit of like, you know, and that's just how it yeah. goes. 
Well, that, that makes me feel better. Um, but what I first realized, so when we started hiring the new team, and and at the same time we're we're hiring new team members we're also growing we're grow, growing faster than we can keep up with this one client was a large automotive group and they just kept giving us more and more and more and more work so I, i'm hiring new team members and i'm i'm handling our corporate contracts and the the corporate people that keep bringing us more work and there was just there's only so much of me in a day and so back then this was i don't know 12 over 12 years ago, so probably 14 years ago now, there was not the tech that exists today, you know? So I built our how-to social media manual. We started social media management before social media management was even the term. (laughs) We called it social arena marketing. Like this is how new we were (laughs) to the game. Social arena marketing. I think we should go back to that. (laughs) Right. You know, I printed out manuals and binders for our team members so that when we had to create a new Facebook page for a new client, they had their how to do it, their how to and their process all there. Now, as everyone probably can imagine at this point, printing that out and keeping it up to date for social media was super hard. So as more technology came out, there was online knowledge bases. And so we moved all of that. We actually hired a part-time worker from a temp agency to come in and get all of my Microsoft docs into our knowledge base. And, you know, that's the key. Like I didn't put the burden on a team member that's already exhausted. Like, how can you cheaply and efficiently do something. We heard a temp worker, she got it done in like 40 hours. So it took us like less than two weeks. She came in, she did it. She was phenomenal. We ended up hiring her full time. She stuck with us till we did our exit. She stayed on the company with the company a little bit further. And just a random story about like just the amazing universe. I was in Chicago. I told when we were chatting um, before our podcast, I was in Chicago for a week this summer. Um, I was at an AI summit that I was um, speaking at and I'm there and I turn around and I see her across the room in Chicago. <laughs> I do like, you love that when you see yeah, people like, out of context. Started to see a people and I was like, Crystal, she like, we both just like Barbie doll girl screamed because <laughs> it was just the most random circumstance. Neither one of us knew we were going to be that. We were in San Diego when we met, we're here in Chicago. So it was just so such a cool random thing that happened. Yeah. That is so fun. The universe is fun like that. Um, well, it's, you know, hearing about your turn, there's so many themes. I mean, I think a lot of women in particular, but humans in general, I think can relate to, you know, various parts of it. And I think when it comes to small business, so often it is about figuring out like where to put your resources so that you're using everything efficiently. Right. And systems are paramount. And I think they're really hard for people to get right sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's not like set it and forget it. You don't just put a system in place And then it just runs and you never revisit it and things are hunky-dory, right? So they are constantly needing updating and nurturing and eyeballs on them to make sure that they're current. Yeah. I mean, it, it does feel overwhelming at times when you think about it like that, because it does, things change. There's not, and, and even if it's not like pipe drive, like you use pipe drive CRM, you put a how to, it's not always that the system that you're using changes and you need to update the how to, it's that you as a business changes. 
Yeah. And you need to update how you do things and how you want your team to handle things. And so that does feel a little bit of a burden. Now, that's also a benefit of AI and how we're using AI. Yes. So, well, I was going to say <laughs> maybe you could spend a few minutes and speak to both Arvo and BGBO and how you make those processes easier for your clients. Yeah. So one of the things that we do with both companies and, and whether you just want to use the software or you want us to help actually build out the process is all you have to do is record a video. You don't have to actually document everything. And so, you know, we can do meetings, but you know, if you take a Loom video, you know, Loom is pretty popular these days. Yep. So take a Loom video, 25 minute recording of you walking through the process, you might feel like, man, that was 25 minutes. That's 25 minutes that you never have to do again. Like that's powerful. You only had to say it one time and we are going to document the entire process for you after that. Um, and you're going to document in a way where it lives online, right? It's accessible yes. to anybody on the team. And I know visually, cause I think, I can't remember if you showed me or if you just described it, but it sounds like one of the huge accomplishments of your software and your process is that it's visually very pleasing as well. Like you, from a user experience standpoint, it's really designed thoughtfully compared to the old school, like hunt and peck for the right document. Yeah. Oops. Is this it? Nope. That's the old version. Right. Right. Yeah. So with Arvo, you, I mean, you nailed it. It's skimmable. It's we, and we made it so that the person building it, they don't know, need to know how to design. They just need to know how to type and they just need to know how to click a button. So it drops in the design for you and you edit, type it, put it in there or upload. So Arvo is you can do it yourself. Like you, mm -hmm. you plug yourself into the process and then BGBO is helping you audit. Got it. Yeah, yep, yep, yeah. Yep, helping you, you automate it. and do all that stuff. Yeah. Cause you know, attention spans are just, they're different. Now we we're on our phones, we're on social media, we're used to things being digitally appealing all the time. Yes. And then what we noticed through our consulting is, well, then these people go to work and they're looking at long form text documents for the how to's and like, you think of right. ask, ask me how many of my clients like actually read the legal, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Who wants to do that? Like I live in the legal space and all I deal with is like black text on white paper. Yeah. Like people just like, I'm just going to sign this. <laughs> just going to opt out. I'm going to assume it's good. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's right. So that's what, that's why we built Arvo is because we just saw this change in how people retain information, how they look for information, how they want to look at information and to make that as easy as possible on the business, whether they just want to use the software or they need us to help bridge that gap between, Hey, I, I need the documentation, but I don't have the team to build it. Yes. So did BGBO come first? You were doing the consulting, you were helping people with the processes, and then you developed the software as one of the tools to do that. Yeah. And yeah. we named it like, it's so funny because we named it BGBO Co. Because like we were, we weren't starting a company. We were doing it in retirement. And people are always like, this is the hardest name to say. And I'm like, well, it is, but we weren't on doing anything. So it stands for biggest goal, biggest obstacle. Oh. And so like our idea was we're going to go in and we're going to help companies with their biggest goal, biggest obstacle. We're going to call it BGBO Co. And now like people feel like it's a tongue twister. I'm like, we should probably do like a DBA or something, but it's, 
it's so fun to talk I like it. I like it, right? (laughs) And then it has the story to go with it. I think it's funny. Um, My sisters and I come up with acronyms for everything. I don't know how this started. Probably, I don't even know. But it, this is a really silly one, BNSEs. And like, we'll, we'll just have like our own language where people are like BNSEs. And we're like, yeah, back inside chubs, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, y'all got y'all's own language. <laughs> I personally love acronyms. And then when you get to tell the story, it makes it way more fun. I don't think you should rename BGBO Co. I like to say it. Thank you. Um, so I am curious because like, there's a huge part of your story that my mind keeps wanting to go to. And this is the fact okay. that you retired. And then oh, you came okay. out of retirement <laughs> to build a business. I want to, I want to hear what you learned from retirement. That, that retirement is, is really not as fun as you think it would be. Right. Because I was, so I signed my contract to be done three days before, before I turned 35 years old. Oh, wow. Retiring in our thirties. And we had the money in our account. We were retired. And, you know, I was, I did a lot of the things that I had been wanting to do, like, be a good mom to my son. <laughs> like that was number one. Like I am going to be a great mom at this point. And so he, when he was three at that point and, and he, that kid, I will say at this point, he is down for anything. Like, because he just had to go with the flow for so long, like he, he adapts really well. So that is a plus, but um, you know, I, I, and I, now I get the luxury of prioritizing my time. It isn't where I have to say, oh, I need to work or I need to be a mom. Like I get to have that luxury because because what I've built before. And I just realized I, for a while, you know, I was sleeping in. I'd check my phone. I didn't have an email. I'm like, this is so weird. I'd go for long walks. I did a ton of, my family and I did a ton of traveling and visiting friends and family we hadn't seen or taken the time to see in so long. But for me, it was also a depressing feeling because I have a lot more to give in life yeah. and I get energy from working, being creative, from having new ideas. And so I didn't want to be retired. I just wanted to keep building. Like I have so much passion for building things and for being an entrepreneur that I just was like, I'm going to build something else. Yeah. And so, you know, I did out of retirement, I started building, I, I was doing BGB Oco. And, and I was doing consulting, but during my time of my other company, I'd been playing around this idea called Burger Fit. And it's a burger company where, where you have meat burgers and you hide vegetables in them. <laughs> and I had the idea because my brother and my dad would not eat any vegetable. And I was like, I'll show you, you old man and my older brother. <laughs> um, and they, it worked and they were eating them. And so I was starting to do this more and more and called it Burger Fit. And I was like, I'm going to write a cookbook. And I'm going to go out into the world with Burger Fit. And that was such a tough business. <laughs> I went down the manufacturing route of getting sold in grocery stores. I I launched right before COVID hit. And oh my God, I was so, I mean, when I sold my company, when I knew I needed to be done, I was having these um, autoimmune episodes where my face would it would explode in like this giant round. Uh, it looked like I was having an allergic reaction and my skin would just like turn into fire bites all over my face. And then all my skin would peel off. It was so painful. And this started happening every week towards the end. And that's when I was like, okay, and I'm, I need to be done, done. Like, this is not healthy. It took me a while to 
that it was from chronic stress, mm. chronic stress that I was under. And it's, it happened twice during burger fit. And that's when I knew that I just, I didn't need to be doing it. And I would, I was about to be on TV the next morning at 4am. I woke up and had another one of these episodes and I wasn't in town where I live. I was two hours away about to be on TV and I couldn't go. I mean, I look like, I don't even look like the same person. I look like a, um, my friend calls me the walking dead when I'm having an episode. Oh my gosh. So bad. So Mm. when I started having, I had two back to back. I said, I burger fit is not where I need to be doing. This is too stressful. And I'm putting myself under pain that I don't need to be on. And I was like, I have this other company that I love. I can Mm. do from anywhere. You know, I'm going to focus back on my consulting company. We we're just launching Arvo and I'm like, I can have passion there. And that's where I really learned you can have hobbies and you can have businesses and they don't need to be the same thing. (laughs) Yes. Oh, so true. Well, and it's such a great example of what happens. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people and in particular, a lot of women, because autoimmune tends to be higher occurring in women, uh, can relate to that. And I know a ton of women who had autoimmune issues pop up during COVID just because of the stress of trying to do so pack much. everything into, yeah, do so much and you just can't do it all. And so, you know, what a powerful lesson of like really listening to your body and observing what's happening and making a different decision. It's, um, you know, my next question was going to be given that we're on guts, great, great business. Um, <laughs> you know, where have you hit those stopping points where you, you know, you could have made a different choice, but you decided to keep going and not throw in the towel or, or like this one, you know, made a different decision. You kept going, but in a different way. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like I go through that a lot and <laughs> like not giving up because it's especially in the other company where I was, and this was even before we got offered um, to sell the business where I realized there were some days I just wanted to give up because I was burnt out raising a young, you know, I had a son while I was running that company. We had offices in San Diego and in Tennessee, and we were going back and forth and it was just exhausting. And there were some days I just wanted to give up and whatever I'll have those bad days where I don't want to keep going. And I just let myself have that bad day. And then the next morning, I'm like, okay, Elaine, are you serious about it? Cause you need to make a change or were you just having a bad day and you're going to stick with it. And so most days I stick with it <laughs> because I do enjoy it. Like, am I enjoying the work? And if not, that's a great thing about running a business is you can change what you're doing in the business. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, well, and you've just described the path of entrepreneurship, right? Reaching these points where it's like, oh, not every day is a great day in business. It's just not. And especially when life piles on or other things go wrong. And I think it's, I think there's a lot of wisdom in what you said about just like letting yourself have that time and those feelings and moving through it. And I think it's hard when we, when we do the opposite of like, put on that shiny, happy face and just pretend like everything's great and everything's fine when it's not, you know, we miss out on opportunities for other people to show up for us or to give us grace or to give us an idea or a tip or something that got them through. Yeah. I'll tell you the, the times that I've been the most vulnerable and said I needed help were the biggest wins that I've had Mm. that I wasn't so scared to say that I'm struggling And I call one of my friends, you know, being in a network of other business owners, 
is a must. I, I didn't realize how much I needed that until I was in it and realized that before I didn't have it. And so yeah. like I'm in EO and I'm in, uh, I went through the 10 K the Goldman Sachs, 10,000 small business program. And now I have a huge network of business friends, you know, that I can call and say, Hey, I'm really struggling. And they'll, they all, somebody always comes through. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That was total goosebumps. Oh, so much goodness. And I could just keep talking your ear right off and I won't because we're well past the hour. <laughs> For those of you who have not been with us on the breaks, my house cleaner showed up right as we were going to hit record. My kids have been like being crazy people in the background. And then Seattle City Light showed up and made me move cars in front of our house right in the middle. So it's been quite a time, Elaine. I appreciate you sticking in there. <laughs> it was a fun ride. I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, it's so nice I, to know that other people's lives are chaotic. It's not just me. Totally, right? And we still, so the funny thing over here in Seattle is like you, your kid is going back to school, you know, right about now. And I have other girlfriends who are in the same boat and we've still got a month of summer left. Oh but goodness. we, we were in school until June 30th here. Oh, right. Yeah. So like, it kind of feels like we're just starting summer, honestly. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're just getting in the swing of it. Right. So we've still got a little bit of chaos ahead for us. I laugh because summer from a scheduling standpoint is chaos. Um, Elaine, so fun to talk to you, hear about your story. You've shared so many insights that I think all of us can benefit from when we hit those hard days. And I love your point about asking for help. Um, I think that's a really hard thing for a lot of people to do. Um, I feel like that was a really great final point. And I'm still going to ask you a couple of last questions, which is one, for folks that want to connect with you, check out Arvo, check out BGBO Co. And I love saying that. Um, where where do you like to, to send folks? And are you online? Are you a connector? Would you want people to connect with you like on socials or somewhere else online? Yes, I'm active on LinkedIn. Come and connect with me. Um, I love I love doing that. The other social profiles I don't keep up with. So if you... That's all right. I love LinkedIn too. So that's my number one. I agree. I agree. So we'll post your LinkedIn link. Folks, you can find her. We're going to post links to both of her companies as well as LinkedIn at the show notes page, which you can find at legalwebsitewarrior.com forward slash podcast. Pop over and leave us a review while you're at it and share this episode with somebody who you think would benefit from hearing from Elaine today. Elaine, what final thought or action step would you like to leave people with? I think the most important thing that I've taught myself is just keep putting yourself out there mm -hmm. and just keep trying, put, put, even if you're scared of what people are going to think, just keep doing it because if no one knows what you're doing, you have no one to find you. Mm, so true. Oh my gosh. And isn't it just a journey? Like sometimes I feel like I've reached points in business where I'm like, okay, I got this. And then I'm like, okay, I don't got this. I have to, I yes. have to figure this out again or just keep doing it. It is. You just have to keep going. I love that. Elaine, thank you so much for joining me today. So much fun to have you. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us today on the Guts, Grit, and Great Business Podcast. We hope that we've added a little fuel to your tank, some coffee to your cup, and pep in your step to keep you moving forward in your own great adventures. For key takeaways, links to any resources mentioned in today's show and more, see the show notes, which can be found at legalwebsitewarrior.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, and if you enjoyed today's conversation, 
please give us some stars and a review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast so others will find us too. Keep up the great work you are doing in the world, and we'll see you next week.